Well, we've just celebrated Christmas, and like our sanctuary, your house may still be decorated for Christmas. I don't know about you, I love Christmas. I love what it means that it reminds us of God's love for us. I love that we get together at Christmas with people that we love, that we share gifts with people that we love, the, hopefully the one we've picked out and is just right and surprises them. And I love that we get to eat all sorts of good things at Christmas too. I don't know about you, can I get an amen for that? Decorating the house and all the things we do. Now Christmas happens just once a year and how you celebrate it of course is up to you. Uh, Your family may go bigger, your family may go smaller. I mean, it's up to you how you celebrate it. It's about your action and your intentionality, what you actually put into action. And so this morning, we're going to consider our next steps as a church. This is one of those once-a-year sort of sermons where we need to remind ourselves not only what our purpose is, growing Christ followers, that is making disciples, that we are growing Christ followers, that we're about the business of growing other people as Christ followers. But how then do we do that? We have our values, and those values are Bible engagement. The Bible is God's Word, and it tells us everything about how we ought to live. Our second value is a worshipful lifestyle, that it's not just what we do on Sunday morning when we gather together, but it is the way we live our life 24-7, 365, that is worship intentional relationships that we as a church have said that in order to be more like Jesus, we need to love others like He does and be in relationship with them. And that's intentional relationships. And it doesn't just happen. You have to intend or plan on it, set aside time, put effort and energy into it. Gifted service that all of us are gifted in different ways as followers of Jesus, but we serve others with those gifts. And then gospel sharing that though... God, by His Holy Spirit, can move on and can convict anyone and speak to them through His Word. He needs us to share the gospel, not just by what we do, but by what we say and be in relationship with others to invite them to consider Jesus. So those are our values. But then we have our seven next steps, these practical ways we go about doing what we do here at Southview Baptist Church. Before we enter into those, let's pray together. God, our Father, we're so very thankful that we can come together to worship you. And as we come together to worship you today, we can celebrate all the blessings of this past year. I know there's things we'd all like to change about it. There's things we wish were different in our lives and the lives of those we know and in the world around us. But this is reality, and by your sovereignty, you've chosen it. We've got to believe, well, whether we want to or not, we know by your word that you intend to teach us through these things, that you desire to shape us into the image of Christ through how we deal with all the experiences of our life, good and bad and everything in between. So, Father, we come today to consider this idea of taking the next step. And these next steps you've given us as a church Would you speak to us today, maybe not all of them, but at least one of them, by your Holy Spirit, we would be convicted about how we live and what we do in order that we might be more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Everyone joins me in saying...
Amen. Well, as a topical type sermon, this is one where every one of your points has a different scripture passage, and so I'm sure we'll put those on the screen as they come up. If you're following along at home or here, you've got your bulletin uh, that uh, links you then to our notes on Uversion or just on the Uversion app. Go to the events and you'll find Southview as our church and all those sermon notes are in there for you, and uh, they'll be posted on our website that way as well. So our first next step is follow Jesus. Our first next step is follow Jesus. When we were in Texas this past, uh, well, over Christmas for, uh, I guess I was there five days, um, I did a kind of followed a habit that I do here at home. Every morning, uh, even if it's cold outside, I get my gear on and I take Hudson for a walk around the neighborhood, right? We don't have a fenced-in backyard, but... You know, Hudson's our dog, and Hudson needs to go, and he likes to go, and so you just say that word W-A-L-K, and his ears perk up, and I think he's learning how to spell it now, too, you know, Um, and uh, yeah. So it's Texas. Uh, They live on an acreage, my sister-in-law and her family, and a little ways off the main road that goes by out front, so I figured it's okay to take him for a walk without a leash, right? In the neighborhood, he's on a leash because he's not that well-trained that he'll stay with me. He'll go in people's yards, and I'm like, come back here, come back here, and it's 6 in the morning, and that's not good to be creeping around your neighbor's windows at 6 in the morning telling your dog to get back. But we're on an acreage, and so I go out with Hudson. Well, my sister-in-law and their family, they have this little mop dog. Is it a sheepoo, Mary Elizabeth? A multi-poo? Okay, sounds like cereal that's gone wrong or something. (laughs) But... Finley is the little multi poo's name, and Finley is a sweet little creature most of the time. So Finley, when I'm getting ready to go out with Hudson, looks up at me like, can I go too? And I'm like, guess it's her yard. I mean, she knows the place. I said, come on, Finley, let's go. So Finley and Hudson and I go out the door, and they're doing a pretty good job staying with me, you know? I mean, we're going around this way and that way and walking around. It's about a two-acre yard, if you will, and the trees are at the edge, and it's grassy in the middle. And Every now and then, the dogs would get further away from me. I just kind of kept steadily walking one way. So I'd go, Hudson, come on. That's my little Hudson whistle. And so Hudson would come along with me, and then Finley would follow Hudson. But then there'd be times when they're sniffing or doing something because they're dogs, and I'm like, okay, y'all are getting a little too close to the neighbor's place or a little too close to the yard. And, you know, I'd whistle and I'd call, and they'd just be doing their dog thing, right, sniffing and everything else. Well, I'm smart enough to know one thing about Hudson. Hudson, if I just even do a little trot, he's like, oh, something exciting must be happening. So I'll call his name and I'll go, Hudson, come on, buddy. And I just jog just a little bit and he's right there with me. And where Hudson comes, Finley comes. I had to employ the trot a couple times. My point is, Finley and Hudson were not the best at following me, okay? If they were well-trained, they would have been in the heel position right beside me, but I hadn't trained Finley, and I even hadn't trained my own dog that well. But when it comes to following Jesus, there is more to it than just being with Him, and we're certainly not dogs. We have free will. When we talk about following Jesus, we mean get saved. We mean trust Jesus, commit your life to Him, ask Him into your heart. All these different terms we use as um, Christians about becoming a Christ follower. There are many phrases, but the same meaning. But we also have a double entendre with this phrase, follow Jesus. It's what you do when you commit your life to follow Him, but it's an ongoing relationship that you have with Him. 
So, John chapter 1, our first scripture verse for our sermon today. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Jesus said, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. When you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, when you believe He is who God says He is in the Bible, you are His child. You become a follower of Jesus, and you're born of God into His family. You are a Christ follower. So your question for application on your first point there is, when did I trust Jesus as my Savior? I would imagine, as I said earlier, most of us in the sound of my voice this morning have trusted Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord. If you're old enough to have understood your sinfulness and have you thought about what God's Word said and other people in your life, whether your family members or friends have talked to you, you've probably trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. But there are some that haven't. And that's okay that you're still on the way, that you're still trying to make sense of what the Bible says in relation to your life, and can you and your mind and your heart commit your life to this kind of decision? Following Jesus means a relationship that goes on. That just as I was trying to lead my dog and my in-law's dog with me, We're not dogs, as I said, but that we are with Him through life. That we go where Jesus goes, that we would do as Jesus does, and that we would live as Jesus lives. And we do this through reading our Bible, through prayer, through journaling, through all these other spiritual disciplines, and serving Him as we live, living out our values, following Jesus. That's our first next step. Our second next step is to get baptized. Uh, We are a Baptist church, so you might assume that one follows along. I mean, you can skip it because baptism doesn't save you, but it is a command. Once you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, especially if you're a teenager or an adult, even if you're a child, you should be baptized as soon as reasonably possible. Baptism is a public witness of your personal decision. Baptism demonstrates to the world that you've committed your life to follow Him. Let's read that scripture verse there, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, and I'm turning over in my Bible, and I hope you're turning in yours, verse 4. He says, we were therefore buried with him, Jesus, through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You've been here when I baptize people or when on hell baptize people. You might not have understood his words in Spanish, but my words in English you understand. That you're buried in Christ's likeness and raised to walk in newness of life. That you symbolize the death of your sinful life and the resurrection of your new life in Christ by baptism under the water. Why do we do it that way? Well, that's the way Jesus was baptized. That's the way Jesus told us to baptize people, and that was the form and custom of the early church, was to baptize under the water of believers, and then to raise them up, of course, out of the water, to symbolize new life in Christ. If you need to be obedient in baptism, if you haven't been baptized yet, you can do that any time. 
There's a few of you that I know that, yes, you've made a decision to trust Christ as your Savior and you haven't been baptized yet for whatever reason, and you're invited to do that. We're going to baptize in a few weeks, and we can add you then or whenever is convenient for you. So your application question there asked you, when was I baptized as a Christ follower? Well, that assumes that you have been. And some of you will remember that because it was a certain memorable time or place. It was memorable to you because of who was there. It was memorable to you because of what it took for you to decide to follow Christ. And your memory may be clear, your memory may be foggy, but you know in your heart when it was that you were baptized and you demonstrated your commitment to follow Jesus by your obedience in believers' baptism. So follow Jesus is our first next step. Our second next step is believe, uh, is get baptized. And then our third one is invite others. Invite others. The first two, following Jesus and uh, getting baptized, we get. Um, those are uh, decisions and those are uh, life choices that we make. We instruct people to do those and we expect people to do those. But the next one, inviting others, we sometimes kind of miss Uh, We say, well, there's not a clear thou shalt invite others to church in Scripture, is there? Well, not in the sense of a thou shalt. But there is commands that we should love others and that we should share Jesus with others. And we should invite them into a relationship with us so that as we are growing closer with Jesus, they might grow closer with Jesus as well. So let's read John chapter 1, verse 40 through 46. So back over to the Gospel of John. Matter of fact, back over to John chapter 1. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, John chapter 1, verses 40 and following. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, who was one of the two who had heard what John had said and had followed Jesus, because John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, up in verse, uh, up above there. The first thing... Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. What did Andrew do when he knew that Jesus was the Messiah? He went and found his brother Simon and brought Simon to Jesus as well. Going on in verse 42, Jesus looked at him, that is Simon, and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The rock. You know, I love that verse. It's you are and you will be. Here's what you are on your own. Here's what you will be in Christ. And that's an ongoing process that all of us live. And that's that following Jesus, the sanctification where we become more and more like him. Go on in our passage of scripture, however. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from here? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Philip invited Nathanael. Andrew invited Simon have you invited? When you consider that third question on our outline, who am I inviting to seek Jesus? 
Who am I inviting to seek Jesus? Not just to come to church, not just to join you for Bible study, not just to hang out with you. All those things are part of it. But who are you inviting to seek Jesus? That you talk about Jesus enough in your life and you invite them to consider Jesus and their life. When you love something, you share it. Experience, a person, a restaurant, a place. I was just thinking even this morning about Estes Park and Rocky Mountain National Park. I love Estes Park and Rocky Mountain National Park. I love to be outdoors. I love the Rocky Mountains. They lift my soul. And being there with family and friends and so many good memories. And I could preach you a sermon about Estes Park and Rocky Mountain National Park and why you need to go there on vacation as well. And someday, maybe I'll own a house there and then I'll you know, give it to you guys for free and You'll all like me. Well, hopefully you like me anyhow. But you can enjoy it too if you haven't gone there as well. And, you know, I could write a guidebook about you could hike this trail or that trail. Or, you know, this place has the best taffy in town, not this place across the street. Or this place is where you get the best cinnamon rolls. Have you been to that cinnamon roll place in Estes Park? (gasps) You got to go. But the mountains and hiking... You see, because I love that place and I love you, it's easy for me to share that with you, to ask you to consider it, to ask you to try it, to experience it yourself. And I have some enthusiasm about it, and I want you to share that enthusiasm and joy. It should be the same way with our relationship with Jesus, asking others to consider Him. So we follow Jesus, we get baptized. The third point is invite others. Your fourth point is belong together. Belong together. We belong together. We belong together. Though we don't find a command that says you shouldn't skip church regularly. I mean, it's been hard with COVID because of your family, because of your risk factors, and because of things and people you need to be around or work. Maybe you haven't been able to come to worship. Maybe you haven't been able to gather together with friends and All of us wish we could change that. We do the best we can with things like Zoom and phone calls and FaceTime and visiting people at a social distance, but it's not the same. Hopefully, with the vaccine and everything, stuff will get back to normal more quickly here. But we belong together. It's clear from Scripture as you read the New Testament that God intended Christ followers to come together regularly as a local church, to be in fellowship, to know others, and to be known by others. We do that through worship. We do that through Sunday school. We do that through small groups. We do that beyond Sunday mornings. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is our fourth passage of Scripture for this fourth next step of belong together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Jesus puts us together. I know there's some truth or some part about it that you choose where you might fellowship as a church. But hopefully you made that decision based on the leading of the Holy Spirit for your life and your family. And that you realize that God has a plan for me to belong to this body called Southview and this Bible study group or this small group or this Sunday school class because 
These people will help me grow as Christ intends me to. Leads to your fourth question, and that is how well am I connected with other Christ followers? I know some of us are a little more independent. We don't have as many close relationships in our life, and that's okay. I'm not asking how many Christ followers you're connected with. I'm asking how well are you connected with other Christ followers? That you are in relationship with others where they can make a difference in your life. That you're sharing life with people beyond Sunday morning. This year in Southview, one thing you're going to hear about a lot is real-life discipleship. Real-life discipleship is a small group ministry that we're going to start alongside Sunday school as an alternative to Sunday school for those of you that are interested in something that gives you more time to go deeper in relationships. But it's not just about time and relationships because discipleship is more caught than taught. There is a place for teaching. There is a place for preaching. But God intends us to be together. Look at what he did with his first disciples, those that followed him. He lived life with them for three years straight. Everywhere he went almost, everything he did almost, they were with him. And we need those type of relationships, that disciple-making that's intentional, relational, and reproducible. So you'll hear about that. Our purpose as a church is to grow Christ followers, to make disciples. And we've got to do that with the right methods, through relationships. And we've got to do that for the right purpose, to glorify God in the way we live. We've got to be connected to other Christ followers. So from the relationship with others, inviting them and belonging with them, we turn to an expression of our faith as our fifth next step. Because when you belong, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And that fifth next step is to begin giving. Begin giving. If you haven't already been giving to the church, would you consider to give to the church? The local church is the hope of the world. And through our church, not only do we minister here and minister to one another, but a portion of your tithes and offerings go around the world through everything you give to our church. When we as a church, are healthy enough to love one another, and the world as God intends, things happen. And giving supports our ministry, and giving supports ministry, as I said, around the world. It's a command. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. So if you're in Ephesians, just turn a few pages over in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. It says that now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving for God. God is going to supply all your needs. He knows what you need. He knows your family budget, but He asks you to give to support the church and that He might give back and bless you. Have you heard me say before, if I wasn't a pastor, what I might do with my life? Anybody tell me? What what jobs would I have? There are two things I always say I might do if I wasn't a pastor. Pastor David? Uh, I would open an ice cream shop. Amen. Anybody else know the other one? A carpenter. I would be a carpenter. Build things because it's just cool to build things. You know, you go in in the morning, you got all this stuff, you put it together, you built something. 
But opening an ice cream shop. Anybody else here like ice cream? Yeah. I mean, I already talked about ice cream once today. We'll talk about ice cream again, right? Because just yesterday, I had a friend import some bluebell ice cream, the sacred fruit of Texas. Bluebell ice cream. And though I don't want to live in Texas, I wish bluebell ice cream was available in Nebraska because no offense to Iowa ice cream, but bluebell is just better. If you haven't tried bluebell homemade vanilla, don't argue with me. You got to try at least bluebell homemade vanilla. But if I was not a pastor or if I needed another job, I would open an ice cream shop because most everybody loves ice cream. And those who don't love ice cream, well, God bless you. Hopefully you love something else that makes you happy like ice cream does. There's nothing quite like bluebell. And if I'm in a place where I can buy bluebell, I'm going to buy some bluebell. If I have an opportunity to eat some Bluebell, I'm going to eat some Bluebell. And if I can tell a story about Bluebell, I'm going to tell a story about Bluebell. Giving to our church should be that same way, right? Because it so fills us with joy and it's so good, we can't help but do it. We want to give ourselves to that. and We want to tell others about that because we enjoy it and we enjoy the feeling or in the case of Bluebell, the taste. Our question on our fifth point about begin giving is, what are my convictions on giving to God's work? What are my convictions on giving to God's work? Do your convictions match Scripture? Are you practicing your convictions, being obedient to them? Would you be embarrassed if somebody else here knew what you did or didn't give or why? These are things you need to settle in your heart. I can't tell you what to do, and I'm not going to harangue you. You've been faithful to give, and may God continue to encourage you to be faithful to give, that He would be faithful in blessing you in return. So let's move to our sixth point. And our focus on the church body continues, and that is the point, the next step to start serving. As with the last one, it assumes you keep on doing it as you have already begun. And that's in Romans chapter 12. So again, just a few pages over to your left. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. Start serving is our point. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says, Just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another. Just as your body has different parts, and just as your body is connected together for those different parts to work together to serve you to do the things that you want to do that God's called you to do, we as a church family are connected together to serve one another. We have unique talents, unique abilities, unique personalities, yet we're shaped for ministry as individuals to join together as a whole. Last year at this time, when things were still normal, right, in our church ministry, I had a count done, and we actually had 200, a round number, 200 unique volunteer roles, monthly volunteer roles within Southview last year at this time. There were 60 people that had one role, 48 people that had two roles, nine people that had three roles, and two people that had four different volunteer roles in our church. 114 unique individuals serving in our church, meaning 50% of our teenagers or adults were serving in a once-monthly capacity in our church. 
That's pretty cool. You guys love, you guys give, you guys serve. It demonstrates your heart and your faithfulness to God and to one another. And it's amazing for me to consider how we do that. But there's some of us that aren't serving. Or maybe because of COVID, we've stepped back and we're not serving now. We were then. Maybe you need to consider, is there some way that I should be serving? Something I can do virtually. Something I can do from home. We can always pray. We can always do behind-the-scenes work. Something socially distanced. Which leads to that sixth question is, how do I serve other Christ followers? Let me take you back out of the church setting into your home. Who do you serve in your home and how do you serve them? Who do you serve in your family and how do you serve them? Who do you serve at your workplace and how do you serve them? God intends us to serve others. That's why He's gifted us. That's why He's called us. Let's move on to our seventh and final next step. And that's disciple others. Disciple others means to share your life with others in such a way as to specifically and intentionally grow them as a Christ follower, just as you are growing as a Christ follower. We move from programs such as Sunday school and Awana and Bible study to purpose. Discipling others should become who we are, not just what we do. That yes, people are invited. Yes, people belong. Yes, people serve. But the specific intentional leadership of others, leading teams, teaching classes, small groups, one-on-one, investing others, spending your life with others. Let's look at our final scripture of the day. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. That as a follower of Jesus, you should teach what you've been taught. You should teach it to those in your family. You should teach it to those in your life. You should teach it to anyone God puts before you. It is the job of every believer to make disciples. Not just pastors, not just teachers, but we all have been given that job. Discipleship is about teaching people to follow the commands of Jesus. And they learn that best, being caught not taught in relationship with us as we follow Him. So this week we've talked about our next steps. And our next steps as a church have a lot to do with others. Next week, we begin a new sermon series, Others. And we're going to talk a week from today about others or why we pray. Two weeks from today, others is why we serve. Three weeks from today, others is why we share. Four weeks from today on the fifth Sunday of the month, others is why we give. With others in our mind, we've got our scripture memory verse of the month that we'll put up on our big screen for us to review there. And this one may be a new one for us. It's the first Sunday of the month, but maybe you don't know it. So let's say it all together. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, We thank you that we can gather together and worship. We thank you for your love for us.
and that you've called us to yourself. And then as you've called us to yourself, you've also called us to one another as a church family. And it's our prayer that anyone who needs to trust Christ as their Savior would do that. And it's our prayer that those of us that need to take a new next step would do that. And maybe that's us. Maybe we need to be in the business of inviting someone to consider a relationship with Jesus and to come to church with us. Maybe we need to seek to belong to others in a way in which they can influence us for Jesus. Maybe we need to begin giving. Maybe we need to start serving. Maybe, if we haven't already, we need to trust Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord or be baptized. Whatever it is we need to do, may we be obedient now. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.